podcast name played nobody my name is Stephen godfrey you can reach me at 38 godfrey on twitter on instagram i am part of the banner society at banner society on those same social media platforms this is the last week of the regular season this was this went quick guys banner society's inaugural season uh it flew by we are headed to rivalry week we are headed to championship weekend and beyond uh we thank you all for being a part of this maiden journey pilot season i don't know what you want to call it uh we're about to get into the rivalry week tasting menu with richard with bud a uh, couple quick notes if you have not listened to the papn with chad chatlos uh who works for a search firm runs a search firm richard and i sat down with chad had an amazing conversation um you will 110 percent learn something about the process, um, about a very unique aspect of coaching search season. Uh, please check that out. Uh, otherwise, you can get me this weekend on the Insta for Olds Q&A on uh, the Banner Society Instagram on Saturday morning. I was at the home field tailgate at IU last week. for the, uh, the They got their butts kicked by Michigan, but we had a good time in the rain. Uh, this week, I will be at Texas A&M and LSU down in Louisiana. Um, catch Bud on Twitch all throughout the week. There's still a little bit of gambling left in 2019. Uh, please get on top of that. Um, that's it. Stay tuned to all your normal channels. Please subscribe to the Read Option newsletter. And this is your tasting menu for the last regular season week of 2019. Gentlemen, let's start on Thanksgiving. First, I tell you what, what are you guys doing for Thanksgiving? Tell me about your favorite side dish, bud, because Richard's a, a socialist who said dressing was his favorite side dish. Stuffing. What do you got, bud? Uh, Probably mashed potatoes or, or, or sweet potatoes. Those, those are good. I like cranberry. Um, it's it's all good. Like, it's all good. I don't really like love Thanksgiving food, but I don't hate it. I'm not one of these just contrarian for the sake of contrarian people. It's good. Is that because is it is it because the weather is still warm in Florida, where I feel yeah. like most of the country it's cold, so you just want to like kind of carb load. I think so. Okay. Well, that's the one area in which I guess uh, we can have something up on you Floridians. You just enjoy the sunlight. While we eat a lot of carbohydrates in the dark. Gentlemen, speaking of uh, depressingly eating carbohydrates in the dark, the Egg Bowl's on Thanksgiving. That would be uh, 6.30 p.m. Central on ESP. And the only thing I can really tell you here, uh, Mississippi State obviously needs this to go bowling. There are a heavy variety of rumors around Joe Moorhead and Mississippi State. Ole Miss does not have the same amount of uh, rumors because Matt Luke has been uh, essentially locked in, kind of willed into being by the booster uh, consortium at Ole Miss. Um, they named a AD this week who is the interim AD, Keith Carter, who – so now we have at Ole Miss, we have a, a chancellor, an athletic director, and a coach that all have degrees from the university that they work for. I would challenge you to find me – uh, an institution in the FBS that has that as well right now. So, so is Carter like permanent, permanent? He is the permanent athletic director, yes. So um, the interesting thing in terms of this game uh, is that it, I think it's a it's a higher stress situation for Mississippi State. There's more, I think there's more potential flux for Mississippi State because we don't know the, the future of Joe Moorhead in that institution. Um, I think it's house money for Ole Miss. They are a bad team. However, I know there's a bunch of APR math. I'm not even going to <laughs> to give that oxygen. We don't I guess do they're math fourth. on the show anymore. Why are they like fourth on the list of APR potential teams at five and seven to fill? Whatever, guys. Um, 
Can anyone tell me a football thing about this bowl? I can tell you various other horrible, um, ridiculous Mississippi off-field things. Can someone tell me a football thing about this game? This was supposed to be the most intriguing schematic matchup. Or I should say one of the more intriguing schematic matchups of the season. This was going to be Rich Rod doing the Rich Rod thing and Joe Moorhead having it humming. And both of those things should have been humming by the end of November or so we thought before the season started. Um, I just want to watch John Reese Plumley run around. That'll probably happen. Um, This is not the Mississippi State defense that was uh, the best in the nation, SP Plus, last year. This is a a shell of its former self. Some of that was to be expected, obviously, with the draft picks that they've lost. They've been inconsistent on both sides of the ball. Um, We will have a lot of fun trying to figure out the referendum on, was this a Moorhead thing? Was this a Mississippi State thing? Or was this just simply a bad marriage in the offseason if there is a change? And by the way, not to be too foreboding here, when I say change... Uh, Bud and I were actually talking this morning about the different jobs, you know, that we think are going to open things we're hearing about, obviously Bud's track in Florida state. I think every potential is on the table for Joe, Joe Moorhead in state. I think there, he could take another job. He could be let go. Um, there could be a situation where someone moves and then Joe takes that job. They want, and they wait a little bit. It's, it's completely wide open. So I don't have much in the way of football. I have a lot in the way of off-field, such as the way of Mississippi. Let's move on to Black Friday. Um, it's a decent Black Friday. It, it always is. I always feel like the, uh, you know, this this is a day that could do a little bit better if they scheduled maybe just one or two more games and you'd get a nice, crisp, like, full weekend. But it's not bad. I kind of uh, like Miami- the idea of Black Friday being, like, legitimately packed. Uh, it seems like it's kind of more stacked during the day. Like yeah. I, I'm driving, I'm driving home on Friday night because it's stacked during the day. I will be on my way to uh, Baton Rouge, so I kind of have the same problem there. Um, I don't know if it's a reluctance on some schools' parts to get off the schedule. It's very possible coaches don't like losing the seven-day rotation and playing on Saturdays unless they absolutely have to. So maybe that's it. I just feel like you know we're like one or two, maybe maybe push two rivalries into Friday kind of the way I and Iowa and Nebraska do or Missouri and Arkansas. And then I think you could really build this day up as a little bit more tradition rich. Figure it um, out, Texas. Figure it out, Texas. Wow. We'll talk about Texas in a second. Uh, Miami of Ohio goes to Ball State at 11 a.m. on CBS Sports Network. Texas Tech is at Texas on Fox. Toledo goes to Central Michigan on ESPNU. The Commonwealth Cup. Virginia Tech is at Virginia on ABC. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to do the entire Friday, by the way. Uh, Iowa's at Nebraska at 1.30 Central on Big Ten Network. CBS has Missouri and Arkansas. Boise State goes to Colorado State on CBS Sports Network at 2.30. Also at 2.30 is the first of probably two matchups, Cincinnati at Memphis on ABC. West Virginia is at Texas Christian Wazoo plays Washington in the Apple Cup at 3 o'clock on Fox. And at 7 p.m., South Florida is at UC. Yeah. Well, I'm not uh, just going to let you... The war on I-4? Yes, the war, the war on I-4. I-4. Yeah. But I, I'm not going to let you just gloss over the fact that Cincinnati and Memphis may very well not be a rematch, thanks to the troops. Still still caping for Navy. Um, Can we discuss how bad Cincinnati has looked on offense for about a month now? The pass game is, uh, is tanked completely. <clears throat> we talked about this on the hurry up on Sunday, but um, Cincinnati, you know, the committee really likes them. I think they're a... Sp- 
spot behind Memphis at the moment. Obviously, this will all sort itself out this week, but Cincinnati's been the prohibitive favorite all season. I'm not entirely sure why. When I say favorite, I'm talking about the G5. It's, it's the division, Godfrey. Be, be, yeah, because but they're, they're just side of looked- the division, once they beat UCF, they were basically a lock to go. But I thought Memphis looked so much better at times. Uh, they do, but, but the reason why Cincinnati's the favorite is because they're, they're almost guaranteed to be in the title game, right? Whereas with Memphis, you True. have to factor in your calculation – yeah, if they get there, they'll be favored over Cincinnati, clearly. But we don't know if they're going to get there. It's not guaranteed. Uh, but I'm going to throw it right back to you because as you've quested all year to understand and figure out the Big 12, I don't think anyone else has after Oklahoma. Um, TCU is now in a uh, in a must-win situation to go bowling against a mm, plucky West Virginia team. Yeah, I, I think this is a pretty good spot for TCU. They, they can take some confidence away from how well they played against Oklahoma, although that's more of like a them believing they played well. Oklahoma, yardage-wise, kind of dominated that game and just had more turnovers in the uh, in the red zone. Interesting, by the way, Gary Patterson told the broadcasting crew, according to the crew, uh, some stuff and basically was saying he wasn't that worried about the passing game of Oklahoma, and that's really a run team now, uh, which is right. we've discussed some on the uh, – uh, on this show, but West Virginia mm-hmm. lost at home to Oklahoma State uh, against an Oklahoma State backup quarterback. Spencer Sanders is done with the finger injury, and uh, they they lost at home while allowing less than 300 yards to Okie State. That forecloses the chance of bowl eligibility for WVU. So this is potentially a major flat spot for the Mountaineers to go down to Texas after that heartbreaking loss last weekend. Uh, and TCU needs this for a bowl, so. Um, I would think TCU here. Um, good number. In terms of watchability, there are a couple clear winners, in my opinion, that if I had to pick out a menu for you on Friday, it's light, it's not a full day, but there's a lot of quality here. The Apple Cup is going to be entertaining regardless of circumstance, regardless of what year it is. I would I would rubber stamp the Apple Cup as a must-watch game, irrespective of date or time slot or what it's up against uh, Cincinnati and Memphis, obviously, you know, it's all, I think it's really cool. That they could, they could see each other in consecutive weeks. You don't see that in college football a lot. And they're interesting teams with dynamic styles, um, interesting coaches and it's the AAC. I came for the AAC. And then of course, I think the other one is the Commonwealth cup. However, before I get to the Commonwealth cup, do you know what I'm actually going to be fixated on gentlemen is the fact that this sport has a 10 month off season. And if Texas Tech were to beat Texas, dear God, it's going to be a long year in Austin. Not the team Texas should be playing, but I digress. Um, I, I, whew, that's not going to be good. That is not going to be tell good. Tell me, hey, some, hey, one of you advanced uh, analysts, tell me right now that that's not possible. Very possible. Very possible. Of course. Very possible. Texas was 31st in Bill Connolly's preseason SP Plus ratings. Do you know where they are right now? No idea. 50. 31st. Oh. They are on the oh. damn number. 31st nationally. That's what Bill had them in the preseason. It's actually 100% dead on so far. We said Texas was overhyped in the preseason. We thought they'd be like an 8-4 and four level team. Uh Looks like right now they're probably going to be seven and five. It's like one win below expectation. I don't think they've missed reasonable expectations by that much. They've missed okay. unreasonable expectations, some of which they're responsible for by believing that that Georgia win meant more than it did because Georgia didn't give a damn about that game. And Ellinger stands up on the podium and says, "We're back, baby." And I'm like, eh, "Not, not really." Maybe I think y'all are more of a 2020 team. Uh, 
in some ways, if they lose this game, I'm I'm feeling okay about about next year betting Texas on, on, over on a lot of their Texas futures because I've I, I long thought this 2020 team would be better than this 2019 as a, team. As our recruiting guru, um, I would agree with all with all of that in terms of the analytics, in terms of us overhyping. It's it's they are very much this decade's USC. I don't know why the media fixates on one particular power program and does this, but we do it. We did it with USC throughout the the tail end of the Carroll era. Um, we did it with Kiffin and Zark too. Um, does any of this have an effect on? So let's say a month passes after the after the season, they're not going to get an opportunity like they did against Georgia. All right, they play out, they go to the bowl, they they win the bowl, whatever. Does any of this have any effect on the overall program development or the recruiting? Because everyone outside the program created a uh, unrealistic expectation in 2019. I, I I don't think you can say it has no effect. I don't think it's going to have a massive effect. Mostly because the team against uh, whom you recruit the most, which would be A and M, yeah. uh, is on pace to go seven and five this year. So if they were killing it within within your league, or, or excuse me, like if they were killing it on the field, I think it really could have an effect. Oklahoma obviously beating you again uh, has some effect, but Texas is still going to recruit really well. One thing, if we can talk like really kind of granular football here, Texas offensively in the passing game in the last month, their explosion is just non-existent. Go look at the explosive plays they've hit in the TCU, Kansas State, Iowa State, and Baylor games. Dude, they do not hit anything explosive. Ellinger's yards per attempt is down to 6.7. Like they, we know he's not a great thrower of the football. He's more of like a Tim Tebow who just bashes into the line, okay thrower type dude. And he's not a bad quarterback, but he has not taken another step. I'm not really convinced there is a step, another step for him to take as a passer what has gone down is the effectiveness of the Texas receivers. Colin Johnson's been hurt for a good amount of the year. Duvernay is really good. I don't think Eagles has really stepped up and been, you know, that dude. Uh, they miss um, the, the huge guy they had last year who could just throw it up to, even inaccurately, and, and the guy would catch it. Um, uh, little Jordan Humphrey. They really miss him, I, I think, because they don't have another guy who does that this year for them. Uh, gentlemen, I'll ask you both. Uh, we'll open it for hashtag SPAP. And again, you can uh, ask us a question on Twitter, on most social media platforms. Just use the hashtag so we can see it. Hashtag SPAP. And uh, Lolo Fanarski, who I got to meet at the IU tailgate uh, last weekend, does the Big 12 have a rivalry week problem? Bedlam and Farmageddon are the only big ones this weekend. And then in parentheses, he asks, is Texas, Texas Tech a thing? Uh, I think we were all going to say, no, it's not a thing. Uh, and they're shaking them all up next year. It's uh, seemed like the conference with the least on the line come Thanksgiving every year. Does this matter at all? Uh, the SEC and the Big Ten kind of pretty much keep their thing straight. And honestly, for that matter, I guess the Pac-12 does as well. You can count on the cap- uh, the Apple Cup, the Territorial Cup, all that stuff. Um, do we care that the Big 12 seems to kind of cut off its rivalry games this week? Well, it's weird because um, so your your conference's biggest rival rivalry can never not be when it is because of the fair. So um, right. again, I'm hammering this home. You had the other one and you let it get away. So well, that's not coming back. I know, but a man can dream. All right, a man can dream. Um, I, I I think the Big Twelve. So what are they doing with the 2020 schedule? They're putting them all back in late November. 
Yeah, they're trying to address this other than other than Red River by creating something similar to the other conferences' schedules. Um, it's been wonky the last couple of years because they didn't have a conference championship game. So yeah, and, and they were playing real games on. Oh yeah, I mean they were playing Bedlam on. Yeah, they're playing, and then they were playing real games on Championship Saturday. Yeah, because they so didn't have a conference it, title game. Yeah, right. Um, I don't know if it affects it. I think I think the Big Twelve has made a lot of st- moves, sort of like contrary to. I don't know what a Power Five conference should do. They probably should have expanded by now. They probably should have not put invested quite so much in the round robin thing. But you know, they definitely marched to a different beat. Um, this is about I think to Richard- get worse, guys, because I'm looking at the 2020 schedule right now. Uh, the twenty Saturday, November twenty eighth, twenty twenty, West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Texas Tech, Kansas State, Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas. Hmm. Yeah, okay. this is about to get way worse. If yeah, if we're saying this, great. this is in fact a problem. Yeah. Um. But I have a question for you. Our friend at Brett underscore Hudson. Has Bud gathered more information on his theory that Toledo was shaving points or throwing games earlier this season? Uh, yeah, I have, actually. And, and I, I only believe it more uh, now. Of course, we're joking. Don't don't sue me, Toledo. Yeah, please, God. Uh, yeah, this is, this is a bit. This is a so bit. If you look at their percentile performances, okay, 22%, 50%, 56%, 48%, 75%. Then a two-week stretch, 10% and 1%. And then right back, 49%, 38%, 39%, 35%. And it's not just the quarterback injury, because they had the quarterback injury in some of those games that they played really well after that. I, I This is just very weird. Like, maybe, maybe some kind of bills were due or something, and all of a sudden they, they – maybe somebody's like, hey, I need you to lose to Ball State by 38 points. <laughs> the proof is and in I the need fun. you to lose to Bowling Green as like a 28-point favorite by multiple scores. Wake up, And we're going to – we're going to get sued by the Mac. I wonder if you go into court with the Mac, do they just scream like, Maction! Well, they probably After need every... the money, so. Well, they play yeah. on Tuesday, so you might have to find like, a court open on like Saturdays. But if they do need the money, Man. we are not the people that ask for it. Bud throws the best shade when he doesn't even know he's doing it. Um, all right, Wahoo Jones, an actual football question about a uh, a rivalry of some substance this year as the streak continues. Hashtag SPAPN, given that UVA and Vatek now seem more evenly matched than at the start of the season, will UVA's loss be fairly straightforward or hilariously inept like last year? Um, man, this uh, this turnabout for VTech has to just absolutely kill UVA fans because VTech a month and change ago felt dead, felt completely dead, and now um, the Hokies are playing their best ball of the year, and... Yeah, you kind of. I know I'm not supposed to do this because I'm supposed to be smarter than the, you know, the uh, the passionate fan and be the objective voice. But I tend to believe in weird, weird streaks, not curses, but just sort of like weird devil magic and rivalry games. And it suddenly feels really hard to pick UVA in this game. Virginia winning this game uh, would give you the seventh straight unique. ACC Coastal champion, and Virginia would then be the last ACC Coastal team to win that side of the division, or at least appear oh, in the damn. ACC championship game, if you want to get extremely technical about it. Um, yeah, there is a very weird stake. But Virginia Tech on defense has been fairly lights out since the bye week. I mean, the last, four, I think it's four, five games um, since the bye week, they've they've been it. They've, they've sent Bud Foster out, or sending Bud Foster out. Uh, with a bang and saving Justin Fuente in the process. 
Uh, Richard, I'm taking I prom- Virginia. Why? Okay, for this reason, I I believe in the turnaround somewhat for for VTech, but well, if they you believe Pitt the turnaround kind of started in the last two weeks, right? But check this out. So they've played two defenses recently that are any good: Notre Dame and Pitt. And last week against Pitt, they had 263 yards of offense. I know they won 28 nothing, but if you actually dig into the box score, like I did on Banner Society's Reddit page. With every game reviewed, week thirteen, you can go click on it and see what happened in Budge. each game. Ding. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's your plug there. Two hundred sixty-three yards of offense against Notre Dame. They were even even worse on offense. I mean, you, you're looking at um, what three point seven five yards per play, two hundred forty yards. In the interim, they've played North Carolina, Wake, and Georgia Tech, all who have somewhere between bad and horrendous defenses this year, and they've looked pretty good. UVA is much closer to a Pitt Notre Dame level defense, in my opinion, and I think also in the opinion of a lot of the metrics, than it is to like a Carolina Notre Dame or excuse me, Carolina Wake UNC uh, level defense. So I I, I expect that uh, this Herndon Hooker show might come uh, crashing back to earth just a little bit and enough for UVA to get the win. Uh, Richard, I promised a quality viewing experience in the Apple Cup. Will you please show my work for me? I mean, I think it's something of a contrast. Washington State's defense isn't that good. I don't necessarily think Washington's offense is that good, but I think Washington State can make it look good, which means this is going to be pretty fun. I mean, you know about Washington State's defense. And now I will say this. (laughs) I will say this about Washington. Washington offensive coordinator Jimmy Lake, former minority coordinator of the week, uh, was on record after the game last year saying something interesting, which was basically like, Washington State plays us the exact same every year, doesn't change anything, so it's really easy. So if this game doesn't become watchable, it's because Washington knows exactly what Washington State wants to do on defense, and Leach hasn't really altered anything, and Washington's got pretty smart minds over on the defensive side of the ball. They're not scared of Washington State, and they know what's coming. Um, it's kind of a low-key hateful thing. I know it's not low-key hateful if you're a Washington or Washington State fan, but um, it, it's also pretty hard to like get Chris Peterson to be like venomous. Well, I guess unless you're Kirk Herbstreet. Um, this one has some bite to it. I though I will say this: as soon as we get to the off season, a team I'm going to start asking around about, and like, what's up with Washington? I think it's a down like, year. I, I think it's a down what, what, year. I'm not. Is it? I don't want to jump and, and say anything. And you might be right. I'm just. I'm curious because I just looking at box scores and records and stuff. Like, is that what we thought? Bud can speak I, to the recruiting, but right they, there's talent there. It may just be a little young, right? So, I don't think their offensive line is as good as it was last year. I'm not sure the receivers are quite as good as they were last year. They, they don't run the football all that well. I still think Eason is a little bit more, like, he's not as good as the sum of his parts, I don't think. Like, his tools are, are incredible, but then he throws up some really kind of questionable games. Um, and Washington's defense this year has just not not been quite as good uh, as it was in, in previous years. I mean, you're, you're talking about okay. a defense that's, I don't think anybody would argue they're like top 15 level this year. Or anything like that. It looks like just kind of a step back here. Uh, I, I highly doubt that they're going to go into a prolonged funk. They're, they're still recruiting fine. Um, you know, and I, I think Peterson's a really good coach. He just, you can kind of tell, they just, they never really clicked this year. I don't think they have the right, the right mix. In that game against Colorado, uh, I mean, 
They only had 238 yards of offense against Colorado's defense. And we've all watched Colorado's defense at times this year, and it's it's real bad. They didn't really hit explosive plays at all. They couldn't run the football with any consistency. Uh, I mean, just just kind of iffy this year. But I don't think it's yeah. a long-term thing yet. Two straight well, years, uh, two straight years, Colorado has clamped, or sorry, two straight weeks. Colorado has clamped uh Stanford and Washington. Colorado may itself be turning a little bit of a corner with Mel Tucker, who's a pretty good defensive coach. But yes, the 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 point still stands. Washington on offense has left quite a bit uh to be desired. I definitely don't want to get on the media train of kissing Mike Leach's ass, but I will tip my hat to a man that can make Chris Peterson angry uh publicly and this get salty enough to be fun. So all right, let's move on. <clears throat> Excuse me while I clear my throat. Uh, we did have a couple, by the way, plus games on Friday. Uh, they got separated off on our schedule. So that's App and Troy, uh, Arkansas State, South Alabama, Bowling Green, Buffalo, and Kent and Eastern Michigan. Those are plus games. Uh, check your listings. App and Troy, definitely worth watching. Um, eh, the rest of them, eh, they're fine. They're fine. Uh, let's move to Saturday real fast. Okay. 11 a.m. Look away, children. Clemson's going to South Carolina at 11 a.m. on ESPN. FIU goes to Marshall at 11 a.m. on CBS Sports Network. Good, uh, what is it? Clean old fashioned. Good old fashioned hate. Good clean old fashioned. That's such a stupid name. Let's look away, children. Look away. It's it's just terrible. Uh, Georgia, yeah, look away. Georgia, Georgia Tech, 11 a.m. on ABC. It, it'll be it'll be a blowout, but it also might be like an actual you know 17 to six score. Georgia's the new Big Ten. Indiana at Purdue on ESPN two. Louisville at Kentucky on the SEC Network. Northwestern at Illinois on FS1. The game, Ohio State at Michigan on Fox. Do not ever call it that corny-ass name. The game? Yeah. I was trying to be facetious. Uh, Did you make that up, or is that something that people wanted to call? No, that's... Bud, that's... God God bless my sweet Floridian who's not around. How? Wait, actually, that's not true. How are you... Florida is infested with Ohio State and Michigan people. How did you not know that? Not to not to the I mean, extent I you may think. Home. To be honest with you, I usually don't see other people during the day. <laughs> I work from home. Oh, that means so many things in your state. Um, Tulsa is at Eastern Carolina on ESPNU. Texas State is at Coastal Carolina on Plus. Eleven thirty a.m. on the ACC Regional Sports Network. Uh, Wake Forest goes to Syracuse. Hell of a rivalry. Uh, Charlotte goes. To, <laughs> sorry, Charlotte goes to ODU at one o'clock on ESPN Plus. Excuse me, that's bowl eligible, Charlotte, to you. It is. Uh, Club Lit. Uh, MTSU is at Western Kentucky at 1 p.m. on Plus. New Mexico State is at Liberty, also on Plus. Facebook has Wyoming at Air Force. That's also on Stadium, if you have it. UConn is at Temple at 2 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. The ATG Rocky Mountain Network has University of Nevada at Las Vegas Breaking news sound, Godfrey. Check my note. Yeah, I've noticed... We we've been talking about it all year. They're going to fire Tony Sanchez, and they're they're about to fire him. So no, they did. no, I, they literally just did. Oh, okay. Well. It is Monday at two thirty. I uh, Bruce Feldman just reported that they have uh, announced to not return, or is it the flavor of we'll coach out this weekend? I don't know if there's a release yet. Okay, I think it's it's so far. Anybody just a Bruce to tweet? The what? staff was told. Staff was ah, told. Okay, so they'll coach out against Nevada. And they might lose no, to Jay Norvell and Nevada. No, they definitely will. But like, yeah, there's no, <laughs> there's definitely no reason to like point an interim with a handful of days left. Um, we can talk about that job in a second if you'd like. But we've been kicking it around all season. I think we have a pretty good idea of 
what they want, what they expect there. Rice is at UTEP at 2 p.m. on ESPN3. Uh, Iron Bowl, CBS, 2.30. Baylor at Kansas on ESPN. BC is at Pitt on ACC Network. Um, actually, I'm trying to figure out where should we stop this. We'll go. We'll just we'll run through the 2:30 games. All right. I'm feeling arcane. Baylor's at Kansas on ESPN. BC's at Pitt. Maryland is at Michigan State on FS1. How's that for a rivalry game? See, it doesn't always work. It's not just the Big 12. Miami's at Duke on ESPN2. Rutgers is at Penn State. That's technically a rivalry game. On Big Ten Network, Southern Miss is at FAU on NFL Network. ABC has Wisconsin and Minnesota. Uh, UTSA is at LaTeX on plus, and then we'll just arbitrarily pick it back up at three o'clock in a second. Okay. Um, Richard, sir, Greg Schiano thoughts. Um, it was literally at the goal line. Greg Schiano asked for the moon. I have, I have two kind of, I have two thoughts about this that kind of can't coexist. Greg Schiano was asking for the things that would make Rutgers competitive. And I mostly, I mostly agree with him. On the other hand, Rutgers itself looks at its own financial situation. We're not getting the Big Ten payout in full until 21. Um, you know, we are in constant financial flux always because we're Rutgers. I don't know if we can really do this. Um, and also, and the third thing that lives there is. Is Greg Schiano the right person to ask for all of these demands? Is he the right coach? Um, yes, because it's Rutgers and Greg Schiano is where I lean. So there are a few things that kind of are, are coexisting about the situation. Basically, Greg Schiano and Rutgers did not get the deal over the line because of a lot of things that Greg Schiano asked for. Uh, eight-year contract versus six-year contract Rutgers was reportedly offering. Uh, um, a PJ, private jet, uh, and a few other things that were in the stories. It, it was really funny how quickly the dueling accounts kind of came out. Like Rutgers very quickly had its... The school side uh, in a release and uh, and a story on NJ.com that seemed like it was from Rutgers' side of the story as far as sourcing is concerned. And then uh, I believe Pete Thamel had his own story that seemed like it was a little bit more from Shiano's side sources. I'm not, I'm not trying to talk shit here. I'm just trying to say, like, when you read the stories and you know a little bit about the reporting being done, you can kind of see, like, hey, this may be... Shiano's camp saying it this may be Rutgers camp saying it doesn't make it wrong but it does uh inform how you read the stories and, and how you read between the lines uh yeah I think that's a pretty good encapsulation there Richard I would just add that um this job may be uh doomed for reasons that don't have a lot to do with college football some some universities are just not structured to succeed uh, or attain the parameters by which college football demands. You know, um, some schools have really unique situations or complicated infrastructures, and that it may be as simple as that. There's football talent in New Jersey. They're in the Big Ten. I know all these things, but this may just be one of those where it's not fixable. Um, I do believe, though, that they don't have to be quite this bad, right? I, I mean, you can have a 500 year, you can have a seven win year. I think that's possible. Um, it's not been pretty, though. Uh, I'll Richard. Do you want to speculate on names real fast? Or we want to move on. Uh, we'll move on. Okay. Which is right. which is um, which is to say, I need to do some reporting. So let me get on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Um. If BC wins at Bulls, all right, that's true, bud. However, 
What's the situation? If BC wins at Bulls, I almost feel like that would hurt BC's larger cause because it might be time to to make a change there as well. I, I think you're right about that. Um, the one thing in, in uh, Adazio's favor is that the quarterback got hurt this year, right? Yeah. Which, you know, is sort of a reprieve in some ways. I think we all expected this would be a, a team that would really kind of take a big step back this year. In fact, we I went back and pulled our notes from Slack in the offseason, and I was just going through the roster and kind of dropping updates in for everybody. And I was like, oh, my God, Boston College had like an insane number of dudes invited to the combine, and that's not normal for a team like Boston College. They're, they're going to take a big step back, especially on defense, and that's, that's really kind of what it's been. They don't have the guys. But it also is a reflection on the job he's done there as far as sustainability that they don't have – like the drop-off is – is that big, right? Their defense is just atrocious, and it really shouldn't be that bad if you're recruiting a little bit better there and developing a little bit better. Uh, so, yeah, you may argue that not not going to a bowl could be better for the program. Um, I don't know. Richard, do you think if, if they miss a bowl that he's going to be making a change? Yes. Okay. I do too. I, 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 asked. I also do not think it's out of the question for them to make a change if they win the game on Saturday. Okay, that's interesting. I don't think it's out of the interim, interim bowl coaches. Gotta love them. Richard and Bud, did either of you watch Alabama blow out Western Carolina? Sure didn't. Didn't watch a single snap. Okay. Um, What do we feel like with Bama's offense this weekend? I'm trying to find something you need to talk about in the Iron Bowl. I don't know if it's possible. Look, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm talking myself into Auburn beating Alabama. But if you wanted to talk yourself into Auburn beating Alabama, you certainly could. We know about Auburn's front. We know that they're going to try to make Mac Jones throw the ball, and they're going to try to, they're going to take, um, you know, the the quote unquote lesser of two evils, which is hey, throw to four NFL wide receivers instead of your battle tank running back running all over us. Uh, <laughs> we we also know that Alabama's front is, um, <laughs> in Alabama adjusted terms, uh, suspect. We know that 125 teams would love that front, but Alabama, um, Alabama's defensive front ha- has soft spots for what it has been forever under Nick Saban. So I'm not saying I'm talking myself in Auburn winning the Iron Bowl, but if you did, if you wanted to, you certainly could, and I understand how that's going to go. Well, unlike Alabama, we can talk about someone who actually controls their own destiny in the playoff, and that would be Minnesota. Yes, nailed it. God, that felt good. That's incredible. Uh, hashtag SPAPN. Jonathan Carter asks, is this the biggest gopher football game ever? Or at least since ni- 1962, which is essentially ever. And since gopher fans are new to this, how do you deal with big game anxiety? I can't concentrate on anything but, uh, but this upcoming game. Well, uh, Bud and Richard, you guys went to you know national title winning school. So why don't you take this one? I will say this is quite literally the biggest Wisconsin. Well, it's the biggest Minnesota Wisconsin game, absolutely, since 1962. And I will say yeah. it probably is the biggest Minnesota game since 1962. Um, if you're paying attention, you should probably subscribe to the Banner Society Read Option newsletter because I am writing a Banner what? Society Read Option newsletter. Uh, on the history of this rivalry and and the historical context of this year's game versus the 1962 game and how we basically do not have... I mean, look, from 1962 to, like, 1980, 
Wisconsin did not really have anything to speak of football-wise until Barry Alvarez got there and took over um, in, I believe, 1990. They just were not really much of anything. Um, Minnesota, the same way until, like, roughly now. Obviously, they spiked in the early 2000s with, like, Lawrence Maroney and, and, and those teams. But it hasn't been this good for Minnesota, definitely, um, and for Wisconsin, th- this is a big deal. Like this is going to be a lot of fun to earn the right to probably go to the Rose Bowl at least. Um, I think it's the biggest game ever. I don't think that's like a take or anything. And enjoy it. Uh, as far as advice, lean into it. You're only. I mean, it's a holiday week, right? So, I mean, that's a good thing. So, can we jump back to Bama just real quick? Sure, go for Please it. Please do. All right. What's the best D-line Alabama's played so far this year? I think Is you, it Duke? I think you'd be okay to say – I think you'd be all right to say LSU. I probably think it's A&M. Um, but it also might be Tennessee. Might be Tennessee. I think Tennessee's D-line is kind of bad. I like Tennessee's offensive line. I'm not, not in on their D-line. I think I, I think I agree with you. It's probably A&M or LSU – Maybe Duke early in the year when they were playing better. Duke is in the upper. If 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 we're breaking this into in, uh, excuse me, if it's twelve games and we're breaking it into quartiles, Duke's in the upper quartile, right? Right. They they've missed the best D lines in, in the SEC, which are you know Georgia, Florida, uh, Auburn, and South Carolina. And I think Auburn's probably the best D line in the country. So this yes. actually is interesting because I've been kind of impressed with Bama's offensive line this year in terms of having to replace some pieces and, and bouncing back and playing well, but. For playing 11 games so far in an SEC schedule, they've really managed to not play elite defensive lines at all. You may get and, a little bit of the why isn't Sark running the ball uh, thing in this game, mm-hmm. and there's going to be a point where I'm going to kind of say, maybe Sark shouldn't run the ball. Maybe they shouldn't run against Auburn, or at least try to. I think Auburn can win this game. I, I went ahead and took Auburn plus three and a half points. I make Bama a two-point favorite, but... Uh, three and a half there across the key number of three. I went ahead and took it. I, I just, I, this could be a little bit, a little bit of, of, of uh, shock for them. We're doing it. We're talking ourselves into it. <laughs> has but like, how much of this is going to be on? But because my thing with Auburn has been this season and a little bit last season, it, the running game hasn't necessarily been the thing you could hang your hat on, which is always very odd to me, given Gus. And, and how he kind of can just make a running game figure itself out. Um, I, so, are we trusting Bo Nix in this spot? Probably not. Is Auburn's running game going to have to show up in this game? Yeah. Can Auburn control this game? Really and truly on both sides of the ball? Yeah, maybe, right? And that's like an, there's an optimistic maybe there. If Auburn okay. gets to like twenty seven, do they win, or do they need thirty? I think you're going to need thirty because Alabama can be counted on. To, like Henry Ruggs is going to take a slant route sixty yards in this game. I, that's not a hot take. So Alabama is going to have some pops in this game to where you're going to have to score some points to win this game. Um, gentlemen, would you rather watch if you can only watch one the Wisconsin Minnesota game or the Iron Bowl? Just watchability, just just entertainment value. I'd probably take the Iron Bowl. Why? I, damn, I I mean, the Minnesota thing is now, I mean, it's in Minnesota. 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be lit. It's going to be absolutely lit. But I, I, I'm thinking of the what's the. I'm kind of erring on the side of meltdown potential, and meltdown potential for either side in this game in the Iron Bowl is uh, truly, truly at a fever pitch. All right, let's move on. Um, I cut it at a weird time. Sorry. Uh, we'll just go straight into three o'clock. Uh, speaking of no, wait, I'll do that joke in a second. Uh, Tulane is at SMU on ESPNU. That's going to be a good football game. Um, red hot rivalries. No, not at all. Vanderbilt is at Tennessee. Tennessee surging might actually be able to beat the Commodores this year. Um, stadium has UAB at North Texas. Facebook has Utah State at New Mexico. Uh, Notre Dame is at Stanford on Fox. The Civil War, Oregon State at Oregon, is on the Pac-12 network, so no one's going to watch it. Uh, That's on the Pac-12 network? Yeah, it was a flex situation. They were they were waiting on uh, the Utah result and the Oregon result last week, and so then Utah got bumped to ABC, I believe. <sighs> Richard took that especially hard. Lifelong yeah. Oregon fan, Richard Johnson. Okay, all right. Uh, Georgia State is at Georgia Southern, uh, 5 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Um, I will go ahead and do the sixes, and then we'll run through the evening. Um, this, this show is off the rails for the last regular season of the week. Um, the listeners don't know this, but while you guys were talking about Alabama and Auburn, I had to slide out, take a phone call, come back in. Um, it's coaching season. Okay. Uh, Iowa state is at K state farmageddon, by the way. I love that Lolo. That's a, that's a, I know a lot of people have used that before, but it, this is definitely farmageddon 6 PM on FS one Navy. Is it Houston on ESPN two Richard? Would you like to scream or advocate or no, nothing? No, okay. I, I respect the troops. And as oh, anybody else associated with the military, we understand that it's about being buttoned up, dotted T's crossed eyes, uh, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, North Carolina is at NC State on ACC Network. A&M, Texas A&M is at LSU, 6 p.m. ESPN. Florida State at Florida. Why don't you guys have a name for this rivalry? Huh. Bud? Because everybody knows it's a great rivalry. We don't need a name like, you know, the Jug or the Axe or I don't know. I'm not even going to make a joke. That State was actually probably a decent explanation. State championship on the line for one of these teams. I'm not sure there, there's anything on the line. Like it, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'm running through the rest Speaking of these. Speaking of line, uh, I took this at 18, and it's actually down to 17. So uh, I'm probably going to take some more. <laughs> God, 18 is um, generous. The aforementioned Colorado Utah game has been put on ABC at 6:30 p.m. Central. The directional Louisiana battle also at 6:30 p uh, 6:30 p.m. on ESPNU ULM and I don't what the hell do I call you Louisiana I don't know uh, Oklahoma Bedlam Oklahoma at Oklahoma State at 7 p.m. on Fox BYU is at San Diego State on CBS Sports Network at eight Arizona is at Arizona State the Territorial Cup at 9 p.m. on ESPN Cal is at UCLA. Uh, on 9.30 at FS1. Fresno State is at San Jose State at 9.30 on ESPN2. And then finally, in the interest of weird scheduling in the last regular season week of the year, at 11.30 Central, so after midnight on the East Coast, Army goes to Hawaii. So if you want a true drunk, that is without... I mean, you will be able to watch live college football at 2.30 in the morning if you live on the East Coast. God bless us, one and all. Um... Okay, is there anything, honestly, about Florida State, Florida, you two gentlemen would like to discuss in a football sense? I know, obviously, Bud and I, we're, we've talked a lot about the Florida State coaching situation, still ongoing. Is there a football anything to this bad boy? It's 
one of the I think six games I identified in the preseason that I, I don't I don't believe Florida State has a real shot to block the opponent. And okay. so far in those games, I think they're one and four with four blowout losses. So or I think three of them are blowouts. Uh, so I, I would expect another one here. I think I projected like forty to seventeen. Um, Marvin Wilson's obviously done for the year for the Knolls, so he's their big impact defensive lineman in the middle who might be able to do something against Florida, but he's not going to play. So I'd, I'd be surprised if Florida State keeps us within three touchdowns. State champs, give it to me. Um, and what a state title claim this year. That don't matter. That don't. That doesn't matter. Put it on the uh, board. We do Richard. have kind of three, like, uh, if you, I know we like narratives and patterns on this show. There's kind of three games here where you could see a shift in, in in-state recruiting. Uh, Florida beating Florida State. UNC going to a bowl while NC State misses the bowl. Arizona looking like an absolute dumpster fire where Arizona State just beat uh, beat Oregon and now will probably beat down Arizona as I well. Think that, like, I think that shift's already done. That ship sailed. The Arizona so? one. The yeah, Arizona, Arizona ship sailed the day they were both hired. I mean, they have I would, in no way, shape, or form uh, seemed like they are actually heading in the same trajectory since either one of them got there. Yeah. Uh, I want to jump back to Carolina because Bud brings up a really interesting point. I was talking to a coach this morning, um, and no one is no one thinks that Dave Doran should be canned this year, but this is a big one. This is a big, big one. If he were to win this weekend, everything would be fine. I'm not saying he will, but North Carolina State has some serious expectations of consistency over UNC in football, and this this could be a swing, as Bud alluded to. But how how much of a swing could North Carolina create here i mean the state is better in terms of football talent but it's still sort of murky as it, it's not like you have a single emerging power and i for whatever reason i'm not sold on north carolina being that power with this particular head coach well the, the best thing that staff does is recruit right mac brown certainly not known as a, a tactician right he, he's, a, he's a great recruiter he has, he has brewster on the staff as a recruiter they have a lot of really good recruiters on that staff, so if you give them something to sell, tangible on the field, they become even better. I don't. I think you'd be crazy to fire Dave Doran. He's actually done a really good job there overall. They've had a ton of injuries this year, which we're not going to talk about much because they're not a real like big national brand. Uh, I don't think either of these schools should have extreme football aspirations. I don't, none of them have won a conference title since I believe the seventies. I think. Uh, but yeah, like like as far as their their fight in between each other. It, it certainly could have a shift. North Carolina State strikes me as a program that wants to, obviously they want to be better than they are. They are an enigma in that way that they turn out like, you know, major NFL talent, but they never really put it together for that elusive 10 win season. It seems like they just want to be ahead of particular other schools in the ACC. North Carolina, at least in the messaging that they've given off with the hiring of Mac and the way that they talk in the industry, is that they think they can rise up and and eventually compete with a Clemson, Florida State, Miami. That seems illogical, but it's it's definitely how they're positioning the brand. That's how I would sell it, too. I mean, whether it happens, I think we'd be a little more doubtful. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, North Texas missing a bowl. We had uh, multiple questions about um, about the situation there and whether or not Seth Luttrell should have jumped ship last year for a, I mean, let's call it like a handcuffed situation at K-State. Um, no. K-State made a great hire. K-State's in a great position. I think Seth Luttrell could still be in a great position. So um, I guess it comes down to 
whether or not you believe his body of work can speak larger than the 2019 season. Well, I think for Luttrell, I think the step back is a touch fortuitous because what he can do next year is if let's say they again kind of come back and do a nine and three next year, then you're golden because you've shown, Hey, we may take a step back, but I can turn it around pretty quickly and get us back in the right direction. A step back is not a death knell for me and for my program. That is how I would sell it if I was Seth. And it also seems like at least at this point in time, um, the jobs that you may triangulate you or you may have triangulated Seth Luttrell for last year have not so far popped up this year. That's fair. I don't think there's anything that's on the market right now that would scream his name. And I think that's not a bad place to be. It's kind of like when people ask about Luke Fickle, you know, you could keep Cincinnati clicking for a while. Um, the game I'll be at, Texas A&M and LSU. Um, I'm just, to hell with whatever you're supposed to do. I'm going to lean into this being nasty. I'm going to lean into A&M and this particular coaching staff making this nasty. I'm going to, I want to lean into the recruiting shit talking that goes on, the battles that go on in Houston. And yeah, what happened on the field last year after the game? I think it's fine. All of that is fair game. This is for the first time, I don't even know, in decades, we're witnessing the birth of a real rivalry game in the Southeastern Conference. Right, So you cycle through things. I want to be clear about this. You cycle through a moment in time where Houston Nutt goes from Arkansas to Ole Miss, so those teams really hate each other for four or five years, right? You cycle through great periods of time where LSU-Auburn is the premier SEC West matchup, and so Saban versus Tuberville becomes a thing, right? Those are moments in time. This and the way it's calcifying in the two fan bases, and I know LSU's poised for a national title this year, and there's bigger things to discuss. This is This is a new real rivalry game in my opinion that will be around for the next 20 30 years if a&m does third and elko stuff like they did on saturday joe burrow is going to showcase the pocket mobility that i think is one of his best attributes and i think they're gonna be able to firebomb a&m there's absolutely go ahead you guys want a stat yeah me i don't know if you saw this on twitter i tweeted about an hour ago check this out so Four times this year, A&M has been down by multiple scores in the fourth quarter. Their offense, when they're down by multiple scores in the fourth quarter, 7.2 yards of play. All other drives in those games, including after they cut it back to one score, 3.6 yards of play. Literally double. If you're a live wager out there, A&M runs a very ball-control passing offense. They don't hit a lot of explosive plays. When teams start to sag and play that sort of pseudo-prevent in the fourth quarter because they're up comfortably – they eat that up pretty well. Hmm. The other well, thing I would say here is the drop-off between the third team and the fourth team for the college ball playoff this year is going to be pretty enormous, to, no matter who it is, and that includes yeah. a two of Lisbama. This is kind of a, a good resume point, potentially, although they'll be 7-5 and five for LSU if in its attempt to get that number one seed because you don't want to have to play this Clemson team if you can avoid it in the first round. Because I and just so think Bud, Clemson would be favored over LSU, by the way, if they do if they do meet. So, Bud, what you're I think what you're saying is what I was thinking, which is the way just, just for we we have to recognize this. I don't know if we talked about it on the show yet. Just the way Ed Orgeron has been speaking publicly about you know minor shit, like uh, we're not going to celebrate after we beat Arkansas. They haven't beaten anybody. They I thought that was trophy. brilliant. 
how awesome was that? They left two trophies on the field, you know, roll tide. What? Fuck them. Like all of this stuff is building up to, I, I can tell you as a reporter for a fact, there was some serious, serious anger that bled into the offseason after the 74-72 game. LSU knows that Jimbo has a painting commissioned of the overtime win sitting in the conference room of the football office at Texas A&M. That's a fact. It's in there. You can see it because they've they've put out like various like social media things before of team meetings and things. You can see the painting. Okay. LSU, in an effort, as Bud mentioned, to stay the number one seed and catch the four, whoever the four may be. It's weird to say this, but like the four may be an Alabama with a weak offense. It may be Utah. It may be, it doesn't really matter. LSU is going to stomp the shit out of AM if they get a chance, and they will not let up, especially because Ohio State is going to be trying just is going to try and do the exact same thing. No, yeah, that's right. That's 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 it. If they get up this, and they get a chance, they are going to try to curb stomp them. Uh this is and if they lose, be- they're still going to the playoff unless they lose to Georgia. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but I don't I mean, okay, just for a second, can you give me a scenario in which A&M, this A&M team is capable of that? Sure. Uh yeah. if if LSU's defense plays like it has for a lot of the year, it'll it'll give up points and maybe some turnover luck. I think you would need a substantial amount of turnover luck. A I mean, substantial amount. Auburn went in there and had a pretty close game against them and Auburn's offense is kind of inept. I want to know how Jimbo's going to play this because Jimbo, they tried to play like Georgia in the first half, and it absolutely did not work. They started damning the torpedoes, why the hell not, in the second half, like Bud was saying, whilst mm-hmm. down. And it was like, all right, we got a little something-something here. They're moving the ball. They're get third in a million. They're converting. It was some of that, like, Kellen Mond blackout and just making shit happen, but shit was happening to an extent. If you look at how he played the four the, the four good teams that, that A&M's played this year, super slow. Played not really to win, but to not get blown out and, and to try and make it a somewhat close game in the fourth quarter, right? I have like I, have I don't think new, they were actually trying to win against Clemson. I think they were just trying not to get blown out. I have an informed feeling that this is going to be a um, max effort game for LSU to put their head on a pike. And I'll leave it at that. Not to be too foreboding. Um, no bowl for Stanford, bud. Yeah, it's Stan- really bad is Stanford, year for them. I mean, is this... Oh, man, I, I feel guilty because we're going too far into offseason narrative. The returns, they have officially diminished. Yeah, it's kind of kind of feels like this is it, guys. It does, especially because the, like, the, the guys who got hurt were sort of the, the centerpieces of that, of that last really good Stanford class. And when they went down, I think you saw a pretty good drop-off to, to the next guys that Stanford has there. Clearly, like if they had their guys healthy, they wouldn't be missing a bowl. I mean, that, that, that team got rocked by injuries this year. Uh a ton, but yeah, they're. It's hard to see them getting back to what they were uh, in the earlier Shaw days or, or in the Harbaugh days under David Shaw. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out again. I keep shouting them out. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette is having a hell of a year in G five. Nobody's noticed. Um, oh, yeah, we're supposed yes, to but... shout them out because uh, somebody called us out for not talking about them as the best G five team, which I don't know if they are or not. They're not but the best say... G five team, but they are the best G five team that no one is talking about. They caught a big break, by the way. App State's best receiver is done for the year after an injury uh, in last game. So they're going to get the, get the rematch App, and App won't have its best receiver. Um, people who are taking notice would be people looking for head coaches. Sorry. Sorry, UL. Um, Napier is a guy who checks a lot of boxes 
when you were looking for Southeastern Conference employment. I've said that before. I don't know if it's too early. It's all situational, but definitely throwing it out there. Um, Okay, games to watch in terms of the evening slot here. Um, The nice thing about this weekend in particular is because we siphon off a lot of the games into Friday, you kind of get the feeling on like most college football Saturdays where you can consume almost everything. So we don't really necessarily have to make a pick here. Um, Richard, do you think because Mel Tucker's had Colorado in a more competent sense that the Utah game will be close, or is that something I should just kind of skip? No, that's that's why I want to watch it. I want to watch it. Okay. Uh, Utah that's has cool. given up seven touchdowns in the last seven games, four of which came to Washington. Um, Utah has been stomping asses on defense. And, you know, if, 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 if Colorado can drag this, I mean, if, if this becomes like a 17-14, ah, uh, yeah. Like, I think Colorado, even with LaVisca, I, I, even with what they want to do, throwing down the field to him, um, I would imagine Utah's going to be able to take that away, specifically with the pass rush. I, Utah wants to play this game. And we said this about BYU, I believe, a few weeks ago. You want, Utah wants to play this game between the numbers, whole game. Uh, and I, I am very interested to see how Colorado can respond and if Colorado can bow up to that, if, if they've got the horses to bow up and, and limit Utah. Uh, Georgia State, Georgia Southern is going to be really interesting because Georgia State has actually looked really good down the stretch. Of course, they beat Tennessee. Georgia Southern beat App in the rain. That is that one win is masking a lot of uh, inefficiencies relative to the Georgia Southern standard, and they sure as hell don't want to lose from them boys from Atlanta. Um, they, I, I know a lot of people feel like they're losing ground in, in key ways in recruiting in that state. So, um, which happens when you hand a major league baseball stadium to a Sun Belt team? It actually worked. Um, I'm obviously going to be at A&M LSU. Um, I kind of feel like you could flip around, so we won't necessarily make a pick here. Bud Elliott, show me some future lines. Uh, future lines. Okay, so I, I ran this yesterday. I think we'll see about LSU uh, minus two and a half over Georgia. Uh, in, in That's the dome. it? Yeah, LSU's defense is just not that good. Hmm. I mean, like, they... They went on there and they played Bama really well, obviously, but at the same time, like Bama shut them down in the third quarter, and that was a pretty big sweat in the fourth. I would um, take I would take LSU by ten right now. No, uh, I'm not, no, I'm not going to bet you, bud. Keep going. If I would, if I if I if I had LSU up to seven points, I would take them. Seven, I would I'll take, take them at ten right now. You take Georgia and seven. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I would not take LSU over seven. All right, let's DM offline. All right. Um, <laughs> I'll find some stakes. So uh, let me see here. Ohio State and Wisconsin, I, I think, will be probably 14, 14 and a half. Or Minnesota, it'll be like 17 because uh, Wisconsin's power rated higher than Minnesota. You'll see Oklahoma and Baylor uh, over over 10 points for sure. Um, Is I actually the familiarity – does the familiarity of that play into how you may want to bet it at all? Potentially, if if you can find an angle that maybe one coach does a really good job in a rematch situation, or you know, once he's more familiar with the league, or if there's a flaw that's been exposed to one team since the last time they played that that is also exploitable uh, by the by, by the rematching team, uh, there's I think that's certainly certainly possible. I think just off the top of my head, you'll see Memphis uh, 
if, if it's a Memphis Cincy rematch, you'll probably see Memphis by eight, maybe eight and a half. Uh, assuming it's 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 in Memphis, could get up to ten. Uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, Utah, I already thought was going to be favored over Oregon before the Oregon loss, and so now I'm kind of really pissed at Oregon for losing because we're not going to be able to take uh, Utah as a small favorite there. They'll probably be over a field goal uh, over Oregon. So, yeah, a uh, couple interesting conference title game potential matchups here. Gentlemen, um, happy Thanksgiving. I will see you for conference championship week. Enjoy the last regular season, regular week of the season.